with, with Paul. And so there's a map from Antioch, Paul and Silas head overland uh, to begin to revisit places that they went on the first missionary journey. And the first, the first town, Derby, Lystra, they come to, Paul picks up another guy for their team, Timothy. So just to remind you, their mission is just let's, let's go back. Let's visit all of our friends in each of the towns where we preach the word of God. Let's see how they're doing. And then as they traveled from town to town, they presented the simple guidelines that the Jerusalem apostles and leaders had come up with. And that turned out to be really helpful. And day after day, the congregations became stronger in faith and larger in size. The team was Paul, was Silas, and Timothy. And as they made their way, they had a plan. But the Holy Spirit began to alter that plan. And finally, and it seems that as you're traveling with them, they're going this direction, and then they want to go this direction, and then they want to go, and it's just finally end up maybe, maybe somewhat in a place of frustration. Maybe even Timothy's going, what in the world did I sign up? Because I mean, we're talking about two to three weeks of them wandering around without really knowing, I mean, we had this plan, but the Holy Spirit just is, he's saying, no, don't go there. Or, and then we go this way, and he says, no, go this way. And so finally, Paul had a dream. And a man, and I would, that, that's literally there, a man of Macedonia. That's going to become important in a moment. A man of Macedonia stood on the far shore. So they're in Asia Minor. So they're in, on the continent of Asia. Macedonia is over where, where Greece is now. That's now the European continent. So he has a vision of a man, a European man, saying, come over. Come over now to Europe, to Macedonia, help us. And Paul knew that, okay, that's what... So they make a quick trip. You know, it was just go. Now go. No, no more warning signs, go. And so they went to Philippi. Now, I, I need you to help me with an illustration. I know that you have gotten settled. I know that I moved you to the middle. But, I, but I'm going to ask that you do me a favor because you, you'll, you'll get it in a moment. I'm going to ask you not to sit in the middle. I want all the men to come over here, and I want all the women to come over here. Nobody in the middle. Men over there, women over here. Yeah, I'm moving the guys away from the snacks. I heard that. And Steve and Marianne, you're you're perfect. You're right. You're right. Okay, have a seat. You can sit. Now, Philippi is in Macedonia. It's on the European continent. It was founded in 356 BC by Philip II. It came under the rule of the Roman Empire in 167 BC, and it's the first city that Paul and his team visit that it does not have a synagogue. So there's not a large community of Jews in Philippi as every other community across Asia Minor. And so remember, Paul had a vision. There's a man in Macedonia that says, come on over, this guy. We need your help. And so just imagine Paul showing up in Philippi. Hey, there's no synagogue here. And so they kind of literally kind of wander around looking for a synagogue. F.F. F. Bruce says it took 10 Jewish men 
to establish a synagogue. And ladies, I, I don't want you to miss the prejudice in this statement. No number of women could compensate for the absence of even one man necessary to complete the quorum of ten. Ten men, if there were 20 women and nine men, no synagogue. So just imagine Paul, a little, little unfamiliar with this vision of a man finding there's no synagogue and they spend a few days wandering around Philippi and they discover, hey, there's a prayer group that meets down by the river. And so they go down and what do they discover when they get down to the river? Acts 16, 11 through 15. Backing up a bit, getting to Philippi, putting out from the harbor at Troas, we made a straight run for Samuel Thrace. Uh, next day, we tied up at New City. We walked from there to Philippi, the main city in that part of Macedonia, and even more importantly, a Roman colony. And we lingered there for several days. We lingered there for several days. There's not a synagogue here. I have a vision of a man. On the Sabbath, we left the city, went down along the river, We'd, where we'd heard there was a prayer meeting. So we took our place with the women who had gathered there and talked with them. One woman, Lydia, was from Thyatira and a dealer in expensive textiles, known to be a God-fearing woman. As she listened with intensity to what was being said, the master gave her a trusting heart. And she believed. And after she was baptized, along with everyone in her household, she said in a surge of hospitality, if you're confident that I'm in this with you and believe in the master truly, come home with me and be my guests. We hesitated, but she would not take no for an answer. Guys, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia. And when he got to Philippi, it was women. And the first woman that he meets that responds is Lydia, and she's from Thyatira. Where, where do you know where that is? It's back in Asia Minor. What about the man in Macedonia? It's a woman from Asia. We just came from Asia Minor. And we just had a vision of a man from Macedonia. And now it's a woman from Asia Minor. Thyatira is one of the cities in, in Revelation, one of the seven cities. And the, the church there had a false prophetess. The next person that Jesus, uh, not Jesus, that Paul and team are going to encounter on the streets of Philippi is a false prophetess. It, there's just an interest, I don't know what the connection is, just an interesting observation. It's a city famous for dying. It's a center of indigo trade. So Lydia was part of that trade. All right, now, would you all like to come back together? You could get used to this, huh? Gosh.
messed me up. As Paul spoke, and I just, I want to keep emphasizing because I, I think sometimes we, we, we just, we, maybe we forget things or we add things. I really think Paul had three things he said over and over and over again. One, Jesus is alive. Resurrection has happened. Two, Jesus is the Messiah. He's the promised king. From, from his background as a Jewish follower of Jesus, we've been waiting for centuries, for thousands of years, for Messiah to come, the king, and, he, and Jesus is that king. And with that king, the, his kingdom is arriving. I think that's the message he kept announcing in city after city after city. And it's really so awesome that as Lydia and these women listened, Jesus was right there. And Jesus opened her heart. So the Holy Spirit enabled her to perceive what Paul was saying and she believed I believe and she was baptized and not only was she baptized but she invited all of her household to be baptized with her as well and then she does something that's really interesting many times whenever there's announcement of the good news there can be a demonstration of the good news and so a, a miracle, a sign, and a wonder can happen. You know, in, a, in some way, this is almost the reverse of that because now Lydia is saying, if you judge me to be a believer, I, I, need, you to, I need you to demonstrate something. I, I, I'm asking you to come dwell at my house. See, she, uh, the indigo trade was very prosperous. Those that bought, it's a range of colors from red to purple, even it's kind of the blue jean color. Uh, that, that was really a very profitable business. So she was a very wealthy woman. So she had a home back in Thyatira, but she also had a home in Philippi where she carried on her business. So I want you to come and I want you to lodge in my house. And she persisted. And it's really based upon her. If you judge me to be a believer, then demonstrate your confidence in me being a believer by coming and living in my house. Now, do, do, you, do you remember that as we've moved forward out of Jerusalem into Samaria, into Judea, into the end of the world, that we just keep bumping into these dividing walls of people? You know, the, the biggie was the dividing wall between the Jew and the Gentile. And Paul is going, guess what? We're just hitting, we're hitting another one. In this world, like our world, there is a huge gender gap. Lydia can be a wealthy merchant, but she's still a woman. In very much a man's world. Women had rights, they did not have the same rights as men. So this is the decision that Paul and his team have to make. Will a team of Jewish men who are followers of Jesus, who have already gotten trouble befriending Gentiles, will they now 
not only just enter the home of a Gentile, but it's a Gentile woman. And it's not just any Gentile woman, it's a Gentile woman from Thyatira, which has a reputation. See, what the Jew feared, it wasn't condemnation, it wasn't going to hell. It was, if I enter a Gentile's home, then they're going to defile me. My, my pra practice of my faith purifies me so that I'm in this pure community. And if I step into the Gentile community or we welcome the Gentiles in, then we're going to get infected with immorality, sexual immorality, and with idolatry. And so that, that is pretty much still, that's inbred within Paul's mind. I mean, he, Jesus is teaching him, and he'll keep teaching him, but that's the decision this team has to make. Oh, we just had a Gentile woman believe the message we are announcing about Jesus. She's now inviting us not just to table, but to dwell in her home. Is that, is that okay? What will others think? What will the Jew... I mean, if there was a bigger community of Jews here, what would they think of that? All of that's going through their mind. Paul will later write in Ephesians, the Messiah has made things up between us so that... We're now together on this, both non-Jewish outsiders and Jewish insiders. You could add both male and female. Jesus tore down the wall we used to keep each other at a distance. He repealed the law code that had become so clogged with fine print and footnotes that it hindered more than it helped. Then he started over instead of continuing with two groups of people separated by centuries of animosity and suspicion, he created a new kind of human being, a fresh start for everybody. That's both with the Jew and the Gentile moving together. It's with the male and the female moving together. Jesus is doing something new and better for humanity, and we're seeing the history of that in these journeys. Wow. Now, when it comes down to our community and kind of living out, where, where, this, where this message took Paul and his companions, I mean, we, we, we don't, I mean, we're kind of having to learn the same kind of stuff. So let me just give some suggestions for us. One, as the Holy Spirit guides our mission, we want to remain fluid, not rigid and our understanding of dreams and visions as well as his guidance through the scripture. You know, if Paul would have been wooden in his interpretation of the vision, it's a man from Macedonia. I, I have a message for, for a man from Macedonia. And so when Lydia and the women presented themselves, he was, that's not the vision I had. That's not the vision I had. She's a woman, and she's not even from Macedonia. You see, you see the difference? 
So what, what was going on there? I think that it has to do with relationship more than being right. I mean, if Paul wanted to be right, he wasn't right. Because she's not a man and she's not from Macedonia. So my suspicion is that he had this vision. They arrived in Philippi. They're in Macedonia. They're thinking, oh, there's, uh. they end up down by the river and it's a group of women at a prayer meeting. And my suspicion is that Paul is saying, hello, <laughs> I need some help here. <laughs> Could we have a conversation? I mean, I, you just gave me a vision. This, what's happening here doesn't match that vision. So I'm, I think there's this ongoing relationship, conversation with the Holy Spirit that's not, all the details, is not, it's not recorded for us in, in that detail. But sometimes, you know, we get so stuck in a wooden interpretation, and we can even do it with the Bible, unfortunately. And, and we, we just, we were so bent on being, that's the right interpretation. And we're not even making that interpretation in relationship with the one that's the teacher. So we, we you know, just, let's allow the Holy Spirit to give us vision, to give us dreams, to inspire us from the Scripture. But as we live it out, we've got to stay in relationship with Him because it might not be exactly what he showed us. Does that make sense to you? Maybe not. Doesn't make any sense at all, but it's probably the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. And the next thing, the first follower of Jesus in Europe was a woman from Asia Minor, not a man from Macedonia. And this is a good opportunity because we're a little bit smaller group. Women, uh, there's just not a good history. I mean, I wish that we could have learned the lesson way back here, but I don't think we've learned the lesson very well of what it means to be equal. There's no difference between male and female in Christ. It's what, I mean, Paul learned, he had to learn that lesson. Maybe we still need to learn that lesson. But woman is not less than man. We're equal in every way as a creation of God. And it's really sad how the systems of our world, and I mean, this world was not friendly to women. And men were elevated above women. And that's not, that's not, that's not the restored humanity that Jesus is trying to bring. In our men's gathering, you know, one of the topics was about spiritual leadership. Guys, let me, let me tell you two things about spiritual leadership. 
Let me add a third one. Let me, let me start with the, ne the negative. It's not about telling your wife that you're the leader and she's got to follow. That's not spiritual leadership. That's called being a dictator, a jerk. We could keep going. You want to lead anybody? You better follow Jesus. If you're not following Jesus, you can't lead anybody. So if you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you're not meeting with Jesus and you're not really intent on following Jesus, don't talk to me about leading anybody because you can't. And then how does the New Testament define leadership? Servant. So men, you want, you want to lead your wife? Then you find out what your wife needs and you give your life to make sure those needs are met. You serve your wife. That's how you lead. Because that's how the New Testament defines leadership. Women, how many times in history are you the bridge builder? Not, not the guy, but the women. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ went from one continent to the next, beginning with a woman. So women, would you stand up, please? Because we want to express our appreciation for you. And part of that is also an apology for making you less, because you're not less. <laughs> and that's really foolish. So today we're celebrating Lydia, but also you. So guys, it's our turn to bless these ladies. Just speak out blessing upon the ladies that are standing right now.